So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Uh, episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Uh, I'm Nate Larkin. So happy to be back behind the microphone and with my friend David Hampton. I can yes. see can't. We have a video connection. Yeah, we got to jump to video. We keep talking about it, David. We got to make the jump to video eventually. Especially maybe you want to wait till you lose yet another twenty pounds. You're down for, what forty? How many pounds? Uh, forty-two pounds since uh, ah, Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing what uh, when you when you stop uh, eating mindlessly, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. and yeah. uh, you actually get your ass out of bed at about you know five thirty or six o'clock, and you go downstairs mm-hmm. and you you know spend some time on the elliptical for every day for most five days yeah. a week, uh, yeah. do some weights, and uh, just start living in a particularly different way. You yeah. know, I'm not trying to be the evangelist of the, <laughs> you yeah. know, how to how to lose the pounds because it's always individual and important that, you know, we understand all that. But, uh, I, you know, it's honestly, though, I I just got to a point just like, you know, any other recovery kind of thing, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just finally said, you know, you know, that enough's enough. And. Um, do you find that you're sleeping better, thinking more clearly, oh my energy gosh. levels better? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it even, it, it's made me even more of a, um, a movement Nazi for yeah. my clients, because yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, with acute depression and acute anxiety issues, there's always medication that's appropriate. And that mm-hmm. is, you know, never anything that I would discourage by any means. But I will tell you that the clarity that I have from spending a half hour on the elliptical machine in the morning and going mm-hmm. into my day without a big sugar high and a big buzz, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I haven't had dessert or candy um, or, you know, cookies, any of that stuff since before Thanksgiving. And, you uh-huh. know, here we are right now, in, you know, mid-August. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I get sugar through fruit and different other things that, you know, are yeah. natural. Sure, right, but right. it. It is amazing, though, that your energy level, you don't get that slump in the afternoon. You don't Mm -hmm. get that fog. um, But your emotional and mental outlook is so much more positive. I mean, you just have a much more um, focused way and and balanced way of of dealing with things that come into your 
you know, day to day life. And so I just tell my clients, you know, just a 20 minute walk, just do something, but move, you know, as part of your recovery, you know, structure, activity, connection, get that activity thing going. Cause I mean, it, you know, it's made a huge, huge difference. And, uh, you know, you know, I'll tell you what I, as I, uh, as you know, I went on a walk with some guys in England uh, a couple of months ago, yeah. which woke me up to uh, how out of condition I was Oh, because yeah. I, you know, I'd fallen out of the discipline mm-hmm. uh, of, you know, those long walks every day. Right. Uh, you know, I was still talking to guys, but I was on the phone and not moving as much, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Then one of my good friends turned me on to a book that's high on the bestseller list now called outlive by a Dr. Peter Atia, which is not about longevity. It's not about improving lifespan. Mm-hmm. It's about improving what he calls health span. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he makes the sobering point that for most of us, that last decade of life, if we've not taken care of ourselves, mm-hmm. is pretty damn miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but there, but uh, obviously there's no foolproof, you know, complete insurance against disease or Alzheimer, but we can really improve our odds of escaping cognitive decline and, and maintaining, you know, reasonable physical performance. If we'll do some simple things in the middle years. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Things that I, I was doing, stopped doing, and now I'm doing again. Mm-hmm. So right. I can't I, see it. I've got a stepper behind. I've got a step thing behind me here. Oh yeah. Uh, in my office, mm-hmm. I'm running to the top of the. I live at the bottom of a hill. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. two blocks to the top of the hill. Oh man. And I'm, yeah. I'm timing myself each time I go up, trying to improve a little on my time. Yeah. And, you know, and two minute, two minutes of a plank, and, mm-hmm. and moving. You know, golly. And I've only yeah. been doing this now uh, for for just a couple of weeks. I can't believe how much better I feel. Right. It's amazing. I mean, it really is. It, I, I had somebody tell me, they said, you have to prepare for old age just like you have to prepare. You know, I mean, we have all yeah. these other ways, you know, personally and financially. Right, 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 right. Make our wills right, right. and, you know, living wills and all that kind of stuff. And 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 those things are kind of, you know, we always put those off because they're kind of morbid sometimes to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but to prepare to age well, um, yeah. I think is something that we don't uh, think about necessarily. And, um, you know, I mean, we like everybody, we've got all these little diseases and disorders in Mm -hmm. our family too. And, and, you know, I can't necessarily control what jumps up and and grabs me out of all of that. But what I can do is hopefully get myself in a place where, um, the, the, uh, the optimal opportunity to, to fight it or benefit from it, or Mm -hmm. to, you know, be, uh, in, in good shape in the process is, is certainly, you know, where the part that I can control, you know, speaking mm-hmm. of things we can and cannot change, uh, yeah. you know, that's the part that I can. Cause I think my AFib was the, um, uh, the wake up call because my, oh, my yeah. doctor basically, you know, uh, told me that his next best move, if I don't, uh, stay 
in regular rhythm, sinus mm-hmm. rhythm is a pacemaker. And he said, yeah. you know, we've done the hybrid ablation. We did the ablation before that. We've done this, we've done that. You know, medication doesn't seem to work on your p- persistent AFib. And he said, um, a pacemaker would be your next move. And and he said, so get the weight off. And for some reason, uh, <laughs> for some reason, I heard it that time, you know, in a different way. And, um, and, and I just decided, look, you know, you're self-conscious, you're not happy, you're, you know, you're preoccupied yeah, yeah. with, you know, I, I would always wear a big, heavy sport coat over myself when I would go speak or I would do whatever. Mm-hmm, the more mm-hmm. weight I gained, the more clothes I would layer on because, you know, the, the, the more you wear, the, the thinner you look, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, so eventually I was just like, you know, I can't do this. This is not working for me. So yeah, it made a change. It was good. All right. Fan freaking tastic. Uh, you know, one of the things that I just am so grateful for in recovery is the blossoming of creativity that mm-hmm. I experienced when yeah. I, you know, I first got sober. Uh, so that was sober from sexual acting out. I've noticed another bump since I stopped drinking alcohol. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And oh, we have a guest coming up who experienced the same phenomenon. Hey, kid. Uh, and now he's on... Uh, He's on a creativity journey, and uh, he's a, st- a storyteller. Uh, it's uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, it's listeners, gonna be good. I think you're, you're going to like it too. When we return on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. I've been looking forward to this visit, David, as a writer and an aspiring novelist myself. I haven't published a novel in my life, but I still dream. You know, one day I'm going to write the great American novel. Uh, But uh, we have with us a writer, also recovering addict, and a pioneer in a new field of fiction. His name is Will Thatcher. He's joining us from uh, New York. Welcome, Will. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Ah! Yeah. So we like to we we like our our audience to get to know the guests on a personal level. If you wouldn't mind, would you give us kind of a thumbnail, a little backstory? Uh, it, it, how did you wind up in recovery? What's your story? Uh, how did addiction uh, impact your creativity? How has recovery impacted your creativity? That kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, I wound up in recovery because uh, I drank a tremendous amount of alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a a unique uh, unique angle you came in with. That may not not be shocking to you guys. Uh, um, But, you know, I was one of those um, folks that, um, you know, I I sort of fancied myself a a functioning alcoholic for a long time, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. Um, for a good decade, decade and a half, you know, I, you know, I was, I, I always went hard, you know, yeah. um, and as we know, the degrees, the, the, uh, disease of alcoholism is a progressive one. Um, and, um, you know, it was really just the last, um, year and a half or so of, of my drinking that, um, it had become, you know, around the clock and out of control, um, 
and um, you know, I had to get help. Um, it was um, damaging my family. It ruined my career, and um, you know, the the losses were piling up in you know in the in the loss column. And so I, like most of us, did not, you know, um, did not sail into AA on the wings of victory. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, and you know, for for me, I'm an AA guy. Um, that was, you know, that was my recovery journey and it was magic for me. I understand that's not everybody's story, but, um, nothing else had worked for me. And, you know, I've, I've had the gift of desperation and walked into AA and, you know, for the first time in my life was open to taking other people's suggestions, um, you know, previously foreign concept, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, did everything I was told. And, um, you know, my life got better and better, um, you know, over time. Um, and, you know, it was, I, uh, have always been a writer. Um, I've never published a novel before, um, but I wrote a couple of books earlier in life. Um, and so that's always something that's kind of in my, my DNA. And so when I first came into AA, um, you know, before I understood what was going on, um, you know, before I had any kind of fellowship or got into the steps or had a sponsor or any of that stuff, um, certainly well before I had any kind of spirituality, um, I kind of got sober on the stories that I heard. Yeah. Um, I love stories and I heard some of the most incredible stuff I've ever heard in my life in those rooms, you know, just honesty, like you don't hear anywhere else, you know, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, a cast of characters like you don't see anywhere else. <laughs> and, um, you know, I really responded to that. I, I loved it right away. And, you know, I identified even though, you know, obviously the circumstances and other people's stories were different from mine. I identified with them and, you know, I, I read myself into their stories and I started to think that I was in the right place. And, you know, that sort of gave me a little bit of hope and, you know, the wheel started to spin for me. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's the, that's the thousand foot view. Um, I could give you five more hours on that if you, <laughs> if you're <laughs> interested, but you know, that was, you know, more or less my recovery story. I've got five and a half years, um, you know, sober at this point. Um, and you know, uh, I, I've done things in my life, including writing this book that I never could have imagined, um, you know, six years ago. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, Will, so, uh, have you, have you always sort of dabbled in, uh, in your, in your pursuit of, of writing and storytelling and things like that prior to, um, recovery, but, uh, this gave you kind of the bandwidth now to, to, uh, pursue something more serious. Well, I've, I've, you know, one of the things that I've kind of always done is I've always uh, done a lot of journaling you know, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, writing has been an outlet for me and, you know, in recovery, you know, it's basically how I do my 10th step, you know, mm-hmm. every night is I sort of sit down and, you know, write out an inventory of what happened that day. And, you know, for me, I, that includes, you know, the meeting I went to, what I heard, who said it, their, the impression I have of the person and the ideas that they gave me and the themes that I heard and how that, you know, relates to me and how, how that resonates with me. And so, you know, as somebody who kind of thinks in these terms, 
you know, that sort of naturally turns itself in in my mind into into storylines and into characters. And, you know, I'm always sort of sketching those out. And right. um, ultimately, you know, that's that was the start of uh, of Killing Hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So the book is titled Killing Hurt. Uh, and you have uh, tell us about your lead character in Killing Hurt. Uh, from what I understand, you've got you you've got some real mature character development in the course of the story. We find out a little bit about him as a child. We find a little bit about him as an adult. Tell us about tell us about our lead character in Killing Hurt. Sure. So the the lead character is a guy named uh, Troy Martin, and mm-hmm. um, you know my um, my friends. A couple of people have said to me, "Oh, you you wrote a book about yourself because he's a sober guy who surfs." Yeah. Um, <laughs> And nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, yes, we were both sober and we both surf, but that's about where it ends. Um, yeah, okay. So Troy um, embodies, you know, a couple of the, you know, sort of ideas and themes that I was, you know, working through, you know, when I sat down to write this, right? Um, and I like the idea um, that hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, I gave him a little bit of a backstory of, um, you know, doing a lot of damage and having a violent, you know, background, you know, because Mm -hmm. of, you know, the pain that he went through. And like you said, the story sort of goes back and forth from his childhood, which gives you some perspective on, you know, on who he is and the, and the current day. And, you know, I also, you know, like to play with the idea, um, you know, another theme that I like is this, you know, idea of expectations, you know, that lead to resentments mm-hmm. right? as, as the mm-hmm. precursor to resentments. Um, that's something that I was experiencing a lot of, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. in, in my yeah, own yeah. recovery. So I sort of let it play out through him. And then in, you know, in his case, you know, those resentments cause him to act out. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and in his case, he would act out in anger and violence, and then he would have to inventory those and make amends. But, you know, when he went through his work, you know, he sort of uh, the first time around kind of uh, glossed over some of the, you know, the the more violent and ugly things mm-hmm. that he had done in his past because he wasn't quite ready to deal with it. And he had some very good justifications for them. And for the most part, he was kind of right, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit about what he mm-hmm. did, and he, mm-hmm. you know, and they kind of deserved it. And, you know, I'm not such a bad guy, so I'll leave that alone for now. And then, you know, what happens is when you don't clean those things up and you don't resolve them you know, they will come back and hurt you later. So uh-huh. uh, I kind of set up the story so that he can't get out of his predicament in Nicaragua. He literally can't get out alive until he cleans that up, you know, mm-hmm. until he goes back and he finishes, you know, his work. Um, you know, he has to do that in order to survive, like more or less we all do. But in his case, yeah. it's, you know, obviously much more uh, immediate. Uh-huh. Now you set the action in Nicaragua, which to me is fascinating. I love that you took it to an exotic place. It, had you personally been to Nicaragua? Did you do your story research that way? Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun research. Okay, <laughs> uh, I I go on surf trips all the time uh, with friends, and we've been to Nicaragua. Um, I don't know, maybe three or four times and Costa okay. Rica another dozen times. So it's a part of the world that I'm, you know, very familiar with. And, you know, I was excited to, you know, to set the story there. And, you know, it was, okay. it was fun for me to, to write those parts. Uh-huh. Wow. 
Any of your AA buddies uh, see themselves in uh, the, <laughs> the the characters uh, that uh, that Troy encounters? They sure do. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a full time job or maybe a part time job for me explaining to people that you know none of these characters are actually any of them. You know, <laughs> you know, we, we all have big egos, uh, right? So we we want to assume that we're being represented, you know, in yeah. in you know, immortalized. Um, yeah. But no, they're not in the book. <laughs> you know, they're, yeah, there's definitely pieces of a lot of guys, you know. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. I mean, if you read the book, these are all sober people. These are all sober guys that go on a surf mm-hmm. trip together, right? And they're they meet up with other sober guys who you know, live in Nicaragua, live in Costa Rica. So you're supposed to read yourself into those characters, right? I mean, anytime you hear somebody's recovery story, it resonates with you and you think, oh gosh, this guy's talking about me, you know? So that should be an experience that you have. So Will, I I think it was Stephen King I read that said um, the characters uh, of his books actually tell him the story. And they tell him what they were going to do next. And he says that, you know, while you have to really know your characters, uh, obviously, uh, to write good fiction, the character uh, may just tell you how the story will go. Is that a, so if, and I think I can relate to that, but it sounds sort of like a channeling experience. And of course, coming from Stephen King, if I'm correct about who, uh, who said that? Uh, that makes it even more interesting. But uh, but yeah, I mean, is this sort of an experience you've had with these characters that you've uh, yeah. as you develop them, they tell you? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I I, I love that. Uh, I I'd never heard that before, but mm-hmm. that resonates with me completely. So, you know, I you know there there was the writing of this book, and then there was the rewriting of this book. You know, having sure, never. Right you know, written a, um, a novel that was meant for, you know, other humans to read, you know, my right. were sort of academic exercises and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I worked with an, you know, an editor or two, you know, who basically said, you know, love this, this, and this, but the rest of it has to go, has to be rewritten. And, mm. you know, what ends up happening, um, you're exactly right, David, is that, you know, once you work on this for a certain amount of time, I mean, I start with character sketches and I get to know these people extremely well, right? That's the Mm -hmm. the beginning of it. But in the rewriting of it, by the time I got to the second and third rewrite of it, I knew these guys so well that the rewrites just kind of wrote themselves, you know? Because like, I totally knew what this guy would say in this situation, what he would do, and, you know, it really, you know, it, it, it just wrote itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my, my biggest problem, to be honest with you, is that I had so much extra stuff because I fell in love with these characters, <laughs> you know, that I got really, you know, indulgent about it. And I had pages and pages and pages of what I thought was really cool, really interesting, you know, backstories and, and things like that. And the editor is like, yeah, that's great for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, interesting exercise, but like the rest of the world doesn't need to see that. So there are certain characters like Troy's father, Joe, who like I went down a rabbit hole with this guy and, mm-hmm. you know, I just fascinated with this character and I have, you know, literally like a half a book on this person who, you know, really only gets about maybe 20 pages 
you know, in the whole book. But I like, I know Joe, like I know a good friend of mine at this point, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and it's at some point, you know, Joe will, will write his own book, you know, when, when yeah. I'm sitting down. Well, I was going to yeah. say, is that a possibility that you can kind of uh, springboard off of this storyline and take a, maybe a less uh, prominent character and create a, a next, uh, a next book out of his stuff that you already know about this person, yeah. you know, that yeah. you've already discovered. Yeah, no doubt. We from, I mean, yeah, we go from Breaking Bad to Better Call Saul. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, to be honest, I'm not a huge Better Call Saul fan. I love uh-huh. Breaking Bad, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would want my my spinoff to to work better. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 yes, in that in that vein, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on my second book now. I'm, I'm in the uh, the short strokes on that, finishing it up, and um, it doesn't have anything to do with these with these characters, a totally different setting, totally different group of characters. But, you know, in the future, I could definitely go back to some of these guys and, and, you know, revisit them. I'm actually looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've kind of coined this addiction fiction, uh, category. We were joking a little bit before we, uh, hit record about, uh, the fact that I, I couldn't maybe find that section in Barnes and Noble yet, but, um, do you feel like, Will? though, I mean, I would imagine that, uh, any anyone, whether they're familiar with recovery or not, um, can can lock into these people and relate uh, because we all are impacted by uh, recovering people every day. And maybe uh, is it is it giving people maybe a better understanding of uh, what a a life in recovery would be. Uh, what a recovering person is thinking and dealing with how they weigh their options and things like that. I think so. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I write, you know, my, with the audience that I have in mind, you and I'm writing are people who are in recovery. Right. Um, You know, that being said, you know, any well-developed character, Mm -hmm. um, you know, should be relatable, you know, by, Mm -hmm. you know, by other people and certainly people who um, have loved ones, you know, family members, right. you know, in recovery. I mean, a lot of these themes, you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. You know, a lot of these are, are pretty well-established themes. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, like, look, there are, you know, hundreds of movies out there, you know, about characters in recovery that have recovery themes to them. Um, a lot of them very successful. They're not all watched by people in recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, if you're, you know, if you enjoy fiction, if you enjoy, you know, the subgenre of fiction that I write in, which is the thriller, um, then this should be, you know, enjoyable for you. Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, you know, um, anybody who, who loves somebody in recovery, um, you know, should be able to relate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I do see that as recovery grows and as the sober movement grows, uh, it's impacted within the world of books. There's a whole genre now of uh, what's commonly called quit lit. Yes. Right. Advice book. uh, 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 There are, well, there are also memoirs about drinking, like Pete Hamill's A Drinking Life. And uh, I mean, there are dozens of them. Wonderful. And then more instructive books like, oh, This Naked Mind, uh, Alcohol Explained, uh, Sober on a Drunk Planet. 
They're selling very, very well. Uh, I just got back a couple of months ago from a walking trip in England, something that I like to do. I've done it several, uh, several times. This is the first time I've gone sober and, uh, and, and intending not to drink while I was there and had some apprehension because I've never gone to England without going to pubs. And I fully intended to go to pubs, but I had not ever gone there without drinking. And I thought, man, I'm going to be a fish out of water. Every pub I went to had non-alcoholic options. Two of them had non-alcoholic beer on tap Hmm. Uh, as this sober movement is growing and more and more people getting wise earlier to the true harm of uh, alcohol addiction. Yeah, I think I think that's um, you know exactly right, Nate. You know, it's it's interesting because the you know if you go back to the 1930s, you know when AA was formed, it was mm-hmm. really just like the low bottom, you yeah. know, cases that that it was set up for, and yeah. then over time, you know, the the bottom has raised, right? Yes, and now, right. Yeah. Now you have a lot of people in this you know sort of sober curious you know category yeah. who, you know, are certainly not even alcoholics, you know, mm-hmm. but see the value of living a sober lifestyle. Um, and you know, as somebody who's, who's gone a few rungs further down that ladder, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I support that entirely, you know, um, and you know, the sober lifestyle in and of itself is a fabulous thing, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I think that the fact that that's now being reflected in, in, in literature is not surprising because it's a growing part of the population. Um, and you're, you're exactly right. The universe of, you know, it seems like there's, there are new memoirs out constantly, Mm -hmm. you know, in this space, recovery stories, there's great self-help stuff. And, you know, the, where I want to put a flag in the ground and where, you know, the, just because I'm a lover of the genre is fiction, you know, because I think it's, it's underdone. I found a few writers who are Mm -hmm. writing in this space. And since I started writing in this space, I actually have started writing book reviews of other writers, addiction fiction novels, mm-hmm. um, and I post those. I have a, a partnership with a um, a website called The Sober Curator, and they're publishing my addiction fiction book reviews. Oh, um, so mm-hmm. like if somebody reads my book and they're like, "Oh, this is great! I totally relate to these characters. I'm enjoying this story. You know, I want to read more addiction fiction." You know, mm-hmm. they can go to the book reviews and have a, you know, have their pick, read, you know, my reviews and pick one, you know, that they want and keep, keep reading through the genre. Wow. That is fantastic. Cause I yeah. do thrillers. Uh, I used to drink on planes. Now I read on planes. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I read thrillers on, I buy, buy them uh, in airports and read them on planes. So you're telling me that I can find good thrillers. I've got a couple good ones for you. Yeah. Okay. I'll, well, I'll, well, I'm going to start with Killing Hurt. That goes without saying. And then, <laughs> yeah. okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, you know, I mean, that's a great thing, though. Do you ever um, get uh, input from people, Will, though, uh, from a like a marketing uh, mindset that says, gosh, you've picked a very narrow uh, demographic you know, to appeal to. Sure. Yeah. I've, I've heard that. Absolutely. David. And, um, you know, my books are self-published for a reason. 
Um, <laughs> you know, because I am going after a niche, you know, yeah. and, yeah. you know, publishing companies obviously like to sell hundreds of thousands of books, you know, mm-hmm. not three, four, 5,000 books, you mm-hmm. know, which mm-hmm. to me is a win. You know, if yeah. I can get right. a few thousand people to enjoy something that I've written, um, this is not necessarily a profitable or commercial venture on my part. You know, this is something mm-hmm. that I'm passionate about that I want you know, to put out into the world and I want people to enjoy. And ideally even, um, you know, I want it to, um, have a positive impact on their recovery, mm-hmm. um, in, in addition to enjoying it and being entertained by it. So, um, look, if suddenly these books catch fire and sell, you know, 50,000 mm-hmm. copies each, great. Then maybe it'll be picked up by a major publishing company, but probably not, and I'm I'm fine with that. Well, stranger things have happened. I mean, that's uh, you know the story mm-hmm. of uh, what was it? The Shack, I think. Uh, the oh, author yeah. oh. uh, was basically writing a you know a, a story to his kids and self published it, sold it out of his garage, leveraged his credit cards, and lo and behold, you know some famous people caught it and talked about it and. You know, there yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Eight million copies later, there you went. Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, no publisher to share it with. How about that? <laughs> all, all, all the better, right? <laughs> all right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds to me as though this writing is, it's part of your own, the, the maintenance of your own spiritual condition is part of your self-care, but it also seems to be an act of service. Yeah, I mean, I want to. I want to be clear about that. Um, you know, these books are not meant as, um, you know, supplements to people's recovery, right? right? These are not, these are not, yeah. you know, nobody should get sober reading my novels. Um, okay. they should, they shouldn't attempt that. That's a bad idea. Um, there are some really good, as you said before, there's some really good books that will do that for you, including the book Alcoholics Anonymous, which I <laughs> right, right, yeah, strongly yeah. recommend. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. First 162 pages, very well written. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that the primary focus of this is clearly entertainment, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, that being said, you know, we all have emotional experiences and reactions to our entertainment. You know, you watch a movie, you know, with sober characters, you know, that can be an emotional experience, spiritual experience. It can reinforce some ideas that are important to you, to your recovery. And if that happens, then I'm psyched for that. I think that's a great mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the mm-hmm. idea, Will, that you are writing as a recovering person. Uh, because, I mean, for instance, if I'm, uh, let's say, watching a Netflix series or something with friends or whatever, and, you know, there's always, I mean, even now, there's always the stereotypical, this is what an alcoholic is. This is what it means to be an alcoholic. Or this, you know, if he even... Um, you know, smells the cork, he's going to relapse. And, you know, the whole, all these kind of, there's these (laughs) mythological things about Mm -hmm. what it means to, uh, a live in addiction basically. Um, and what it looks like. And, um, I'm glad that you're speaking from a place of understanding that it's not a one size fits all, uh, paradigm for one thing, for all of us who are uh, in that place. Um, my drinking didn't look like somebody else's and it may or may not have resulted in this or that. Um, but 
um, I, I guess I'm, I just like the idea that you're treating it fairly <laughs> as opposed to me having to explain to my friends, that's not exactly how that works. Or, um, you know, you don't just go to an AA meeting and you just magically that, you know, they sprinkle the dust on you and you leave in a, you know, a pink cloud or something. It's a little more involved than that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny that you say that, David, because the, the main editor that I work with now is not a sober guy. Um, mm-hmm. and like he reads my books, um, which by the way, I think is kind of a good thing, um, uh-huh. yeah. you know, cause he brings a, you know, a little bit of a different perspective to it. He reads my books and I, he always writes like comments in the, um, you know, as he's, as mm-hmm. he's making edits. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I never thought about, it. oh, sober people really do that. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and so like, I'm like the only sober guy he knows, <laughs> apparently. Um, but yeah, I mean, it should be, you know, if, if you're in recovery, then these characters should look authentic to you, um, mm-hmm. you know, because they're all, to your point, very different people from each other. They all have very different, um, you know, recoveries. They all are, you know, um, there, there's not a, uh, there, this is not a cult, you know, a personality in the book. They're all very different. What I think is interesting about it, like one of the themes in Killing Hurt is that Troy, the main character we were just talking about, regards himself as being so entirely and completely different from his father, the character mm-hmm. I was talking about before mm-hmm. that I fell in love with. And, you know, I'm never going to be anything like him. And of course, you know, you fast forward, you know, 30 years down the line, he essentially turns into just like him, (laughs) you know? Um, And like, that's a, that's a, that's a story arc that I think a lot of people can relate to, but in particular people who have, you know, addiction in their family lines. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, So once again, you mentioned a website where you publish your reviews. Is it SoberCurator.com? Yes, I... exactly. Okay, it's it's, right. it's okay. TheSoberCurator.com. The TheSoberCurator.com. Okay. Yeah. I think at this and point, if you the... just Google addiction fiction, um, at least the uh, the lady who runs that website is an SEO um, oh, ninja. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So she, I think if you Google addiction fiction, Sober Curator should pop right up with she the- uh, get with herself the right in the top uh, yeah, <laughs> ranking there, huh? Okay. Exactly. It should pop right up for you. Is that a good place for our listeners to go buy your book or is there a better place for them to go buy your book? Well, to be honest with you, it seems like everybody in the world uses Amazon nowadays. That's where, okay. you know, the yeah. vast majority of the sales seem to be coming from. But, you know, you can buy the book pretty much anywhere that they're sold online, either the ebook okay. or the paperback. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Have you done an audio version yet? No, I haven't. And everybody keeps asking for them. Um, it's expensive, you know, to mm-hmm. do a good, to do a good audio book is expensive, you know, and I've heard a couple of bad audio books and they're unbearable. You got a great voice though. I, I can hear you reading your own book or oh, unless you wanted to, somebody, you a so? real voice actor who can do characters. Yeah. I, I think I'd be inclined to leave that to a professional. You really? know, okay. um, yeah. I, I enjoy audio books. I listen to them all the time in the gym, in the car, whatever. And, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, I like the ones that are performed, you know, really well by professionals and mm. you know, that that's, uh, that's something I think I'm going to have to save up for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, a few more books. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Will, thank you so much for taking a little time to talk with us about your book. Uh, I am psyched. I am psyched. I've got uh, all, uh, I can see a whole new vista of reading ahead of me. 
All right. Sounds good. And uh, hit me up if you want any uh, personal referrals uh, outside of the, uh, the, uh, the, the ones you can find on the Sober Curator. I've got a pretty good library over here that I'm building. Okay. All right. And if our listeners want to get in touch with you personally, do you allow that? If so, what's the best way for them to do it? Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, they can shoot me emails. Um, it's willthatcherauthor at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm on all the usual social media stuff as well. Okay. All right. Great. Fantastic. Well, listeners stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the positive sobriety Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. That was uh, Will Thatcher, our guest and author. And uh, Nate, I really like the idea that um, there is a there is now a section of uh, literature representing <laughs> <laughs> some of us here that have yeah, yeah. been minor characters in uh, other people's uh, writings and musings of of what our dilemma might look like. And yeah, yeah. Why. And uh, I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to uh, see where this takes Will, and I'm excited to see where his uh, his work goes from here. Yeah. Addiction fiction. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering. I don't know if I have the bandwidth for it, but I'd love to take a swing at that, too. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if I could write a story with uh, an addiction theme. Oh, you, I, listen. I, I can do memoir. I know I can do memoir. Yeah, but you yeah. know, you you know characters, you know people. You're a study of uh, of yeah. human beings. You know, uh-huh. yeah, 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 um, yeah. And uh, so I I think that yeah, you would. Uh, I think you could pull that off pretty well because that's one of the things that I I appreciated about Will was that he was you know he was trying to approach this from from their from their human. Uh, identity, uh, their their yeah, human yeah, yeah. Um, essence, not just yeah. uh, you know here is uh, this uh, you know quote alcoholic recovering alcoholic person, and therefore yeah. you know that is the yeah. moniker they wear all their life, and you know build yeah. build around it. Um, you know, there's a lot of humanity. It sounds like in in his characters and and things like that. So. Yeah, so here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I should maybe write a story about a uh, songwriter, professional, former professional uh, musician, maybe in the religious space, who uh, <laughs> has become a recovery coach. <laughs> There's a lot of material, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> if you, uh, yeah, yeah. That, but it would was... not have anything to do with you. Yeah, no, right. not, not at all. The, yeah. the resemblances are purely coincidental and uh, yeah, <laughs> this is not on anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, there'd be plenty, uh, yeah. you know, you could have a, a series probably, but. Uh, well, hey, I've been looking, by the way, I've been looking at the calendar and you're, you are lining it up again now that we're through that long summer and things yeah. have settled a bit. You've had a lot of family business to attend to. I've been mm. busy as yeah. well. Uh, but you're filling up the calendar with great guests. We uh, are. Yeah. 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 We've got some really exciting uh, things in the, in the hopper and uh, you know, and uh, I, 
I'm, I'm just excited and enthused that, uh, you know, we're kind of coming through the summer. We can kind of get back in the swing of yep. uh, putting our little seasons together here and, mm-hmm. uh, and that we've got folks that are still excited about talking to us. <laughs> so, yep, 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 yep. All right. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Uh, we'll see you again. Uh, in, uh, are we recording in another week, David? Uh, yes, we are. Yeah. Okay. So we'll talk to you again next week. Until then, I'm Nate. And I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer, Rex Schnelli. Music by Rex Schnelli. Theme music by Matt Ulrich. Uh, Hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett. Uh, Wardrobe (laughs) by Kathy Gifford. 